0: Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings, my name is c and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh.
1: And my name is Jacob, I am foodofan on Instagram and on Twitter I have a blog at
0: foodofan.com. And this is episode 46, Jacob. Amazing that we're at 46 and unfortunately we don't have a lot of time today so we want to Jump uh straight into the episode, yeah um, but just maybe a bit of housekeeping in terms of the calendar, so we will have a an episode um for the Christmas weekend, and then we'll probably do a special episode on the weekend of um of the new year uh to do kind of like a preview and review something that we did last year, which was I think very popular as well um so don't worry, we will have episodes uh that are coming out then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's just get right into it, Jacob. Sure. You have an interesting dip pen.
1: Yeah. So I ended up buying this uh, Kakimori metal dip pen. So we talked about yep. that one like a, a few weeks yeah, ago. Episodes, or, yeah. yeah A few episodes ago, right? And um, I think we said that it looked like a, a Kakimori's take on Drillog, basically. Yep. Right. And we know that since then this, these metal dip pens have, become, have been very popular and they, they, they sold out for the first few batches. Um, they restocked some of them. The brass version was sold out, but I saw that the steel version was available. So I pre-ordered that or I or, yeah, pre-ordered that and I got it yesterday. So I would had had a little bit of time to, to play with it, but so far I have to say. I'm very impressed with this metal dip pen for a few reasons. Um, first of all, you actually get quite a bit of line variation um, based on the, the angle. So, Which is what they advertise too, right? Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, and that's also something some, but not all, glass pens have, right? And I think that's mm. a very attractive feature if you want to use it to play with inks, like right? to see how ink behaves. Um, so I really like the fact that you can very easily go from thin to extremely broad strokes. So that's, that's a lot of fun. And that's something you cannot... Well, I was not able to do that with a drelog log uh, nib.
0: Right, because a drelog nib is kind of like a pointed mechanical pencil lead. Yeah, exactly. Tip, right? Exactly.
1: All right. And another thing that, is, that I like about this Hakimori nib is that it's the standard size. So I had this like Bokumundo uh, nib dip nib holder, and it fit perfectly, so I didn't need to buy an, an a special um, an, uh, nib oh, holder okay. for it.
0: So you mean that, because it comes in a round ferrule, right? Yeah. So you pull out the the, the the claw thing that holds a traditional dip nib, and then you just put this in? Yeah, it just worked. All right, awesome. That That's pretty cool. I might have to get one myself, because I think I talked about it maybe a couple of years ago, but... Um, I bought a Tetsubo um, pen holder mm. from Kakimori, so I want to try this out. Yeah, you should, definitely. Um, yeah,
1: I wasn't sure if they would work at first, but I went to Kakimori's like online store, and I saw um, the nib holders that they recommended for this metal nib. They all said they were standard size. size. So based on that, I was sort of hoping that it would, it would just work uh, with my other existing right. ones I had, right. and, and it did, so... That was a very that was uh, that's a big plus, I think, because as we discussed, mm-hmm. we talked about the drill argument, those Most of yeah. those um, pens are short and sharp and not very comfortable in hand, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm reading like their Instagram post There's one post where it says even though the size is the same, the metal nib on the stainless and the brass nib, they actually they claim that it writes differently uh, due to the difference in Material, mm. obviously. I think you've only got the yeah. stainless one. Um, the brass one is actually a bit cheaper, uh, like three thousand eight hundred. Yeah. So maybe you'll be able to get your hands on a on a brass one. But the last words on this: Do you what? Which one do you prefer, this one or the Drillog? Even if the price
1: was the same, I would I would take this one uh, because of the line variation. Because I can use my my existing nib holders, and also because it actually writes more smooth. Now I don't like, like super smooth nibs. I, I'm not. Mm. I'm not. That's not my preference. But I think the Relog one was borderline too too for my taste. I think this one has the, just yeah. uh, this this pencil type feedback that I like so much. Yeah. So so it's an additional
0: plus for me that it is like one third of the price. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think they collaborated, I, I saw this on MusePens, but I think they collaborated with a uh, local, I mean, local to this area mm. uh, in Kuramae. They, they collaborated with a uh, metalsmith yeah. to, to make these nibs. So that's kind of extra cool in terms of the story there.
1: Yeah. And I think these are available in the US now, at least Yoseka, I believe. So Yoseka. Yeah. But I think they have also, it's a limited supply, so you have to probably have to sign yeah. up for Notification. Yeah.
0: And they're 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 very smart about this, aren't they? Like they, they're they've taken this kind of they were one of the first to do this dip pen glass ink boom, mm. um, Kakimori, and then you know, they saw Drillog and they're like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do our own. Yeah. And they've iterated it to, to make it even better. I think the Drillog kinda looks cooler. Yes, for but sure. If it doesn't work, then you know, there's kind of no point to that. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty cool to see competition in this area.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. this one's going to be very popular.
0: Yeah, uh, I myself bought uh, another pen on Mercari, and I I I bought a few pens, but I blame you for this, Jacob, because when we were at Tips, you were like, "Oh, look, you know this um this shop, uh, Komehio. They have pretty good prices on yeah. these pens, which is which is not often the case because Komehio is." Notorious for having the worst prices, uh, at least in the past shows.
1: Yeah, and so, I've, been, I've, I've been to their online store, and I didn't see nearly as good prices as I yeah. tips.
0: So, so I bought that um, Burgundy uh, Solitaire, right. and then last uh, last time we talked about me buying the, uh, the Black Solitaire, which is the um, regular silver color. And then I had to go on Bloody Mercari, and I saw, you know, like three hours ago, was posted this full body full body barley corn uh, Mont Blanc solitaire and i 'm like uh. and we saw the verme one actually at tips it was like uh, what was it like a thousand hundred dollars which is which is actually not bad for that pen mm. um and if you consider how sailor is going it 's actually not bad at all, but I bought That's this true. off uh off Mercari. and obviously, you know, as usual, we, we've talked about this time and time again. They just have the worst photos, so you don't really know what you're looking at. Um, you know, as evidenced by my hole in a finial <laughs> last time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I knew that it was it was barley corn. Um, I knew that this was a good pen, about like eight hundred dollars. Uh, and they they had pictures of the nib, which seemed to be kind of wide. But I was like, okay, you know, like, I don't know what size this is because Mont Blanc doesn't have size markings on their nibs. I'm like, okay, I, I will I will take the risk, I'll buy it. And the great thing about being in Japan is that you don't actually have to worry about buying stuff from places place like Miracle or Yahoo Auctions most of the time. Because most of the time, they don't sell counterfeit goods. Right. So so I bought this uh I bought this pen. I was like, you know what, if, if there's anything I can always refurbish it. I have all the tools. Um and I buy this pen. And I was surprised when I received it because, first of all, it still has the sticker on it. They didn't they didn't show that picture. And obviously, if it's stickered, usually that commands a higher price. Um and the second thing that I was surprised at is that it says OBB. Mm. Which is obviously, you know, I think outside of the O3B, it's it's the most coveted nib, right? So I I have this Solitaire now with this OBB nib, which for me, I just think, you know, fantastic price on that. Obviously, it's, it's not a cheap pen, but it's still mm. a pretty good one. And what's interesting and the reason why I br- want to bring this up is because now I have three very different... Solitaires. Obviously, the two that I bought um, after tips were, uh, or at tips, and the week after was um, was a duet version, which means it has just the metal um, cap and the resin bodies. Mm. And this one is is a full solitaire. So the first one that I got, um, it had a plastic feed, with an eighteen karat eighteen uh, karat gold, modern style, nib. The silver cap one, which is the black body. Mm. Oh, and, and the burgundy one has the striped windows. The The black body one has the solid gray window. So it's not the stripes, it's it's just the window, kind of like Pelican does. And it has a split ebonite feed and a 14 karat old vintage style 14K Mont Blanc nib, monotone. And then this barley corn one has the. You know, just the window, the split ebonite feed, and it has the new version of the nib. So it's an 18 karat gold bicolor. So the reason why I think this is so interesting is because these pens are all the same shape, which suggests to me that all three of these pens were probably made in um, around the same year. So probably like maybe three years apart max. And they all had transitionary parts. So this is what's so dangerous about buying Mont Blanc pens. Now I, I just want to find all the different variations of these.
1: But uh, going back to what you said about there not being a risk of buying from America, uh, one risk you do have, and this is not really specific to America, of course, is that when you buy this older pens, sometimes some of the parts have been swapped for one reason or another, right? So it might not right. be all from the same
0: original pen. Right. And then you really have to know your stuff if you really kind of strive for the originality. Mm. Um, fortunately for me, I'm the guy that goes and does the swapping, so it's not a, a super big problem um, for me. I don't really care about the originality for that. But this one is is actually not Vermeid. The other two are... Um, our sterling silver. This one, I believe, is gold-plated brass, which uh, doesn't have the 925 marking, but still incredibly beautiful. And I do feel very, very lucky to have been able to snag this one.
1: Nice. Yeah, I thought it was the Pilot uh, 748 when I saw your photo.
0: Yeah, and, and that pen isn't cheaper than uh, than the price <laughs> that I got at Mercari, right? Like, that pen is like $800 too.
1: Yeah, easily. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and and that's not, um that's also discontinued, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that was decades ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so, so that's on the personal front. Um, in terms of news, we we got a surprise postcard uh, a few, I think, a few weeks ago, like maybe one or two weeks ago, right after we, we recorded the last episode.
1: Yeah, I think it was like last Tuesday or Wednesday, so I had a half day off uh, because i have been working on a week- weekend again, and I was already on my way to New Nihonbarship for some Christmas shopping and to buy Sailor's new Chroma shading inks, but before I left the house, I checked the mailbox and there was this postcard flyer thing from Marzen <laughs> listing all of the um, all of the uh, Pen show exclusives for the March, upcoming uh, March pen show. So I just had a quick glance and I just brought the flyer with me. I had to stop by Marzen and, and pre-order some pens. There's there are no huge surprises because I mean the, all of these no. show pens I mean you you always have your your pilot your sailor your ohashido and so on so the pattern is yep. familiar but there were some standout pens.
0: Well, um, before we we before we go to that, I think um, most of the time the models are always the same, so you know that there's going to be a custom urushi. Uh, not always though. You know it's going to be a pilot, right? You know there's going to be a pilot, and it's either going to be that vest type that they do for Maruzen, yeah, in in the brass body, or it's going to be that custom urushi. So I think two years ago they had um, they had the blue custom urushi. Last year they did the vest type, and then next year they're going to do the green um, custom urushi again.
1: Yes, and to understand. The custom Arushi, why that one is so interesting, you have to go back to it, as you said, that's like two years ago or three years ago. I think that was the first time ever when they had a custom, custom, custom <laughs> A custom Arushi in a custom color, um, a blue color. And there were a lot of people who wanted that pen. And we know people who were going to fly from another country to Japan just to buy that pen. But um, they're open for pre-orders I think it was months before the pen show started, and these blue customer ruches sold out very fast from pre order. So, by the, t- by the time the pen show started, there were no customer ruches to buy. And yep. both of us have heard, I think, from a lot of people um, a lot of people who want, want to buy, want, want to find that right, they blue were other custom happy. Yeah, it, it's a very coveted pen. Um, so, for that reason, I think a lot of people uh we're very excited when they saw that Marazan is doing another
0: uh custom colour oh custom custom
1: urushi this time a green one
0: yeah and and green urushi is notoriously difficult to do mm. right it it's it's very difficult to get the right color you have to be in the right season so this is a uh, a very special colour um mm. when it comes to urushi itself and there's only seventy pieces of this. Uh, of this pen, so I think they've probably almost sold out of everything already.
1: Yeah, I asked them a few days ago, and they said they were all almost sold out, and we know, and when we talked about last year's, or I guess, um, this year's Marzen event, they had this green vest type, right, and that was probably the most popular pen at that show, and it's also sold out. No, I think it was like one pen left, and you bought the last one on the first day of the pen show.
0: Which is interesting because the Botan, they didn't sell that out for, for years. Mm. And I remember seeing it in person, I think in 2019. And mm. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a great pen. Um, by the time it was too expensive for me. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that's a great pen. And coming back to 2021, I actually bought like four of those pens. They were still available. So, um, I think maybe they, the, the market didn't catch on to that, but the pilot one is almost always the most popular. Almost always. Yes. I want to draw our attention also to this King of Pen model that they have because, um, every year, uh, they, they do something with Sailor as well. And last year it was the aluminum, uh, blue King of Pen. Yeah. And they had a, they had a brown one prior to that as well. This time they're doing a, uh, King Profit again, which is, uh, which is the standard, uh, 1911 model, uh, the Profit model in KOP. And they're doing it in the blue color. Of the luminous shadow material.
1: Yeah, so as you said, they have I think for like two, three, maybe even longer for a few years now. They have they have released aluminum KOPs or aluminum King Profits. Right. So this is the first time, or just the first time in a while that they're not doing that. And as you said, it's a resin right. one. So the fact that they're going with resin is interesting. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting was. We have talked so much about Sailor's price increases, and that's gonna be a topic in this episode as well, I believe. But this particular one isn't more expensive
0: than last year's, I believe. No, and um this one is hand-turned because uh you can't injection mold this material. Mm. Um so so this is this is interesting for that reason. Um and you know on the KOP model. They they've come out with various KOP models uh, even just this year right and they they've discontinued the Ebonite one uh, to only having Naginata Togi nibs now so all of those cost about two thousand mm. uh, dollars this one at you know if you don't really care about the Naginata um, at thousand one hundred dollars it's some people might even say it's a bargain. Especially compared to again other sailor pens, I mean, sometimes you're
1: paying up to like 70,000 80,000 yen for for a, a pro gear size pro pen gear. nowadays, right? Yeah, so yeah, which the,
0: is absolutely crazy.
1: Here you have a king of pen size, it's hand tone and it's also limited to 34 pens.
0: Yeah, yeah, limited to 34 pens. Um, they have several platinums, so uh, they have a platinum ismo, which which is uh, which is um, uh, urushi, um, lacquered with with some kind of a design on it, and then they have the nakaya, uh, which they have a compass and a little lion. So this pen actually um is is kind of curious to me. I, I really like the story about um Nihonbashi, uh maruzen with the lion because they've done a bunch of custom naka as before and they're all like lion themed or they have like you know Mm. these compass and even the shishikura release in i believe it was uh i think it was late september Mm. right they had a compass on it so um one of the the reasons why is if you go to nihonbashi the the actual bridge which i personally believe is one of the most distinctive bridges in in all of Japan, and it's very, very unfortunate that they built a highway on it.
1: It's also, I believe, the very definition of like the center point of
0: Japan, right? And the, um, if you go to the, this bridge, uh, and you won't see it from, from afar, but you have to actually walk on the bridge because there's mm. this highway on there, um, you actually see very elaborate statues of dragons mm. and, and lions.
1: Quick side note, but this Kirin ink is it's named after one of those Kirin statues.
0: Uh, and you know, translators note: um, Kirin means unicorn. Well, it's it's not a unicorn, but it could be translated, I suppose, to an Asian version of a unicorn. Yes. Um, but yeah. So so the the lion has always been a, a symbol of um, of Marzen, uh, along with lemon as well. Um, and also the mm. compass, uh, which people used to go to Nihonbashi by boat from different parts of, of Japan. Mm. Actually, you can still take a boat tour from Nihonbashi today uh, to go to various parts of Tokyo. So, you know, the, the compass and the line, they're, they're very um, symbolic yeah. of Nihonbashi. And I think that's why the Marazin Fair is always so successful because there's so, mu- so many layers of of meaning and and symbolism behind their releases you know so they have some releases which are just random releases and they, they just you know do something new but then they all also have these releases where there's actually a very good story behind it and i think this nakaya really represents that
1: yeah, there's usually some kind of Nihonbashi theme, as you said, it's been there many times. But some of those, there are better and worse versions of that. And I think the next pen in the list is a bit of a stretch. It's, it's a blue eboya and the, uh, the color is meant to represent like the sky over Nihonbashi, which seems a little bit, you know, scrambling to, to, to find some Nihonbashi <laughs> association here.
0: Yeah, the sky is blue everywhere. It's called The Bridge and the Sky. Yeah. And is it just one version, but it's capped and uncapped?
1: I think so, but this feels like deja vu to me because I feel like I've seen this color before.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, they have a Neboya pen, and, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but at this price, it almost seems cheap. You know, uh, 520 dollars when you compare that to the Sailors.
1: The only problem I have with this one is it doesn't sort of scream Nihonbashi exclusively the same way as some of the others. I, I feel like I can just go no. to Asakusa and 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 buy an, an boy It's going to look almost exactly the same as this one.
0: Well, you probably could talk to Endosun and, and yeah. get this pen. <laughs> exactly. Um, And then Ohashido, we talked about Ohashido a bit last time, but uh, we mentioned I think quite a few episodes ago that Ohashido's designs are getting wilder and wilder. And this time there's no image, but just by the text, I understand that they're using, uh, they're using Raden technique. Um, and they're using like a candle wax kind of technique. Yeah. Um, on, on the pen, which I think we saw last year as well. And Sailor tried to do this for their wabi sabi. King of Pen. I think mm. we, we discussed that. It kind of looked like a, a burnt sausage. Um, I'm very curious what this is going to look like in the final version. This is also supposed to be a sky-themed mm. Ra'den pen. It, it says on the text uh, this is supposed to represent kind of like the Milky Way uh, in the sky. And they're going to limit this to 10 pieces
1: yeah, and we talked, I mean, we ha- there was this Marathon Autumn event just a few months ago, right? And we talked about this very expensive, kind of weird, like Vuvuzela-like <laughs> pens pants that is sold at that event. I think they have a, there were three per color or maybe even three in total. And we said that like 120,000 yen seems very expensive, but this one is even more expensive at 132,000 yeah. yen but going back to what you said about his you know weird designs um the the owner Mr. Uehara he told us or he told Alice I think that his customers are asking for more and more like weird designs and that's why he's doing this
0: yeah um and then we have the ever so popular Shishkura model uh which again does not have an image it says coming soon and this is going to be a nihonbashi exclusive model uh and it says that it's going to have uh glitter which is very distinctive of uh uh it's going to be translu it's translucent it's not transparent it's translucent yeah uh, and it says there will be parts that have translucency and, and chunky, uh, or it doesn't say chunky, but it says it has glitter. So are we assuming that only the cap is translucent this time as well? Because the last few releases have been like that. That I'm
1: not sure about, but I asked Madison's staff a few days ago, and what they did tell me was that
0: it, the, the, it's a
1: brown pen.
0: Yes, and it's going to be themed after an owl. Yeah. And owls are also representative of uh, Nihonbashi, uh, Maruzen. Um, I think the the logo of Maruzen is an owl. Yeah, so, you're
1: right. I think that's... Isn't that a like Junkuro's logo? But yeah, yeah I, I've seen the yeah. owl logo. I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. And they'll have... Um, it won't have music nibs, but it will have zoom nibs. And I want to talk about this because... I think I mean I benefit a lot from from sailors exclusives. A lot of people ask me to buy these for them, um, and you know I, I I benefit from 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 this. But let's talk about the pricing of this. This model has increased in price by twenty percent over the last year. But that's is that really that different from other sailor pens? I'm not sure. Well, I think if we compare to other manufacturers, I think there's a there's a clear difference. And we talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, but now if I'm making the the decision making calculus of saying, you know, spending five hundred fifty dollars on a Sailor versus five hundred fifty dollars on an Aurora, right? Before mm. it was no brainer because Sailors was so much cheaper, but now I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should buy that aurora instead um but these pens and and sailor sailor released like 10 different things in the past week right they they we're going to talk a little bit about this later mm-hmm. but they released their bespoke program um they've released like a penguin pen they released uh they they released um a dip nib kind of pen yeah uh they, they released like so many so many different things that I don't think we can even talk about all of them on the show. And they're increasing all of their prices. And we've been saying this for for, for a while now. When is Sailor going to price themselves out of the market? Well, so
1: as a consumer, I... I agree that I, mean, I, I don't like how, how the prices are going up, but if I look at Sailor's earnings and the most recent one, like they're, they're, so Sailor's stationary sales are up by like 13% year over year. So whatever they're doing is actually working because they're profitable now. So as a consumer, I don't like what I'm seeing, but whatever they're doing, it seems to be working for them right now.
0: Well, here's my my, my qualm with them, right? I'm okay for limited editions to be this price, actually. I'm, I think it's fine. If you want to have a limited edition of $600, that, that's up to you. It's numbered, whatever. The accompanied increase in costs in the base models, the black and the, and the burgundy models, you know, you, you know what? Make the burgundy a limited edition too. The black models, it's it's increased its pricing. And... I'm wondering like what's what's the bread and butter of their business going to be if okay sure there's a sailor it's it's twenty one carat gold, it's three hundred and fifty dollars mm. or you get an eight two three which is less than less than a standard twenty one K pro gear
1: when you look at their their reports, you don't get a breakdown by models. So it's hard to say something definite. But to me, it looks like they're moving away from this this business where they are selling a bunch of standard models and are focusing more and more on limited editions and store exclusives. And I'm sure one of the reasons why you see more and more of these seller store exclusives now is that they probably now have more capacity to do that. I'm sure that the stores have been asking for these Store exclusives for a while because that is that is how as a retailer you survive against Amazon, right? If you have a pen that you can't buy anywhere else, then then that's how you that's part of your yep. survival, right? So I think the demand from the retailers has, has been there for a while. I think sellers probably this is just my guessing that they have uh, sort of tweaked their their, their production to be, to be able to accommodate those requests now, and that they're also for their own releases. They are moving more to it's, it's a little bit like you, like you go to a convenience store and you buy a soft drink. There's like ten new, ten new types of bottles you've never seen before, and next next month they're gone. I think that's sort of the model, Sailor is going for as well. Right, a, a, right. A short run, but that's at the high end. I mean, we talked we talked not too long ago about how Sailor said in one of the reports that they want to look more into the lower end. But clearly, that's not really what's happening. They are clearly focusing right. on the high end. Uh, we know that gold prices are going up and I think part of the reason why their own prices are going up are because of the gold prices but they are definitely doing a little bit at the lower end as well but I think this is this is the model for Sailor now that they are doing sh- um, limited edition um, fa- fancy high-end gold pens and then they're doing like yep. steel nib pens
0: yeah so there's going to be a differentiation in the market very, very soon I'd say within the next year, um Sailor Corporation will will be totally different, will look totally different mm. from Sailor Corporation of last year. And, you know, as you said, this this focus on high end and on the retails I don't think that's a necessarily bad mm. um business. And it's not even a bad business model, right? Mm. Uh and, you know, considering how much, let's say, for example, a Visconti costs mm. uh, here in Japan, you know, sailor's can appear cheap in comparison and there's there's clearly a market for for this more i guess it's not really the business model but you can clearly tell that a lot of these pens are more um again we we bring this up on the podcast a lot female oriented products yeah just in terms of like the the colors that that we see a lot of pale pinks a lot of um you know uh glitters uh a lot of let's say um uh like um motifs, like the snowflake motif that they they re- released uh um just I think a few hours ago. And that's working. If we look at the male-oriented models, and obviously, you know, men and women can all buy any model that they want, mm. but but we know that, you know, Sailor has some kind of a target audience in mind. The male-oriented models, this cut ebonite um model that we kind of trashed last week or or two weeks ago. Yeah. I actually got to see them in person at Motors I'm sure you have as well. Yeah, they look a lot better than, <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah, they look a lot better in real life. And I found them to be unnaturally long. So the nib mm. looked unnaturally small. Mm. And I I, I I feel like this section is actually also Ebonite, mm. which is which is you know, which is great. Mm. Um I still didn't like them. And I was with, with this guy uh, who I met at TIPS when I was at Nihonbashi. Um, mm. And I said, wow, these pens are really long. And he said, well, does the cap post? Mm. And the cap does not post. He said, well, maybe that's why the pen is so long. Um, because you can't post this pen. So they actually made the pen longer. So that it would be mm. the same length mm. uh, as if it were posted. Which, to me, is so interesting because posting is a very Japanese market thing. Yes. Um, all the stores post their pens, which is super annoying for me. And the response from the Japanese market about these Ebony pens has actually been very, very positive, actually. Mm. Um, Marizen hadn't sold any pens when we talked to them yet, but, you know, the guy that was with really liked the pen, really liked the model. Uh, looking at Twitter as well, which is where most of the Japanese pen sphere lives. Yeah. Um, they really like the pen as well, so maybe it's just us. Maybe we're just you know weird gaijins who don't really like this this pen. We have talked about some discussions we've
1: seen on other forums where people were more enthusiastic than we were. So I think maybe even outside Japan, people are excited about these models.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see when these models get into the hands of you know actual users mm. what they're going to say about the length of these pens because they are really abnormally long and i do think that that does kind of throw off the balance a bit but we'll Mm -hmm. see yeah so getting back to to the Marizen show the last item is this ink this nihonbashi aozora and um from what i can see it looks like a blue ink
1: yeah, it's basically Konpeki or, or Sultan, right? But here they have also this Maruzen, sort of the um, Nihonbashi theme, like the sky over Nihonbashi. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, so, so I guess bun- that's
0: a theme. That's a theme for for this year, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that this ink will not be sold out because Maruzen has several fantastic blues already. Mm, yeah. I don't know blue inks always tend to
1: sell well, on the other hand, that's uh Hayashi rice, Hayashi <laughs> brown, yeah, that ink. was not a hit yeah
0: no no one's buying that all right, let's very quickly talk about this um sailor bespoke yeah, um I'm looking at it, and originally, you could actually um choose from various different models they've since tweaked the website a bit. But we broke the news in April that Sailor was coming out with their Build-A-Gear yeah. um, business. And at the time, it said coming soon. I was like, well, coming how soon? Mm. So actually, two weeks ago on Saturday, I went to, to Ginza. And I I went to ankora And I forgot to mention this on the podcast. But it went from coming soon to taking orders now. So... From early December, they started taking orders at Ancora. Now they've actually built a configurator, which I think actually works very, very well. Yes. Um, and you could originally choose between regular nibs or Naginata nibs, and now you can only choose the regular nibs because the Naginata nibs are saying that uh yeah they they're, they're, they're sold out you have to wait until
1: like january yes so but it was it's very interesting that that was offered right because your yeah. if you wanted a colorful pen with a naginata nib before your options were well you had you had your ebony KOP but that's pretty much yeah. it yeah
0: yeah you had black yeah um and and interestingly they refused to do plating on the naginata nibs yes um but if you choose the regular nib which is the only kind of nib you can choose now you can actually choose um either between silver color, gold color or black color yeah. which I think is super super cool. Um and have you played with this? I've played a little bit
1: with it. Uh it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's more more configurable than I thought it would be. There's a lot you have a lot of options here. Um Yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I tried to make I tried to make a um my image of what a Tokyo Inkling's pen might look like. <laughs> did you try to do that?
1: No, I was I was just playing around with no particular goal in mind, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I I I'm really glad that, that they did this. I'm glad that they offered so much, so many customization options, and. I think some people may say that the price is high, but I don't think it's unreasonably high, in mean, a given... What, it's okay. Yeah, given what's probably involved in actually producing this, right? Because this, you have a bunch of limited editions of one that they're producing here, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and so, um, several things to note here. First of all, the the finial will be the new finial um, of the new logo. mm and on the nib, imprinted on it is the new logo as well. Yeah. So it's not this old sailor anchor, it's the new sailor anchor. Um, which suggests to me that they've you know, they've gotten ready to change all the tooling and all the all, all the stamp engraving. Mm. So they're gonna really fully lean into that. So the finials will be different now. Um and we talked a little bit about this uh this um luminous shadow material, this acrylic material, mm. they're going to offer those materials in a limited number, five different colors, in um in the next year. That that's very cool, yeah. Yeah. And so I just wanna maybe speculate about the, the colors a bit because we already saw the luminous shadows and as far as I recall there were only four colors.
1: Yeah, maybe it was four four or five. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. There was blue, there was red, there was gray. Yeah, actually, there's only three, and then maybe I think there's going to be green. Mm. And so I'm very curious to see what the last uh, color will be. I definitely see gray in their in their pictures, which I think is very very cool. But yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I wish they had more color options. The navy is just kind of too dark, and then this clear cyan blue is too. Blue for me But mm. I, I think it's cool That they're doing this I, I really really appreciate it
1: This will raise the bar For store exclusives And limited editions Like right? you can't just do this You know Wancher honey hunt style You know Let's take an existing Blue yeah. pen And a purple pen And then you, you swap some parts And then call it a new limited edition Right Either you have to Sell your pens Significantly cheaper than this Or you have to do Something more More interesting Like custom imprint On a nib and barrel Or whatever Right yeah. So this yeah. will have to raise the bar.
0: And we already knew that they are using iron plating for um, for their plating. So the plating is actually stronger and more scratch-resistant versus the other brands. Um, but something that I didn't know is that um, the nibs, uh, the gold nib is not plated. It's 21-karat gold. Mm. The silver uh, nib is rhodium-plated, and the black one is... Um, black ion plate i don't. i don't know exactly what it is but they claim to be used in like space exploration um techniques and it's like plasma plating uh you know it's like supposed to be very very durable or whatever that's all fine um the the trims however Mm. uh, the gold one is gold plated the silver one is actually nickel chrome plated and I didn't know that the trims were not rhodium plated on sailor's pens. Yeah, and I
1: never heard about that that before.
0: Yeah, nickel chrome plating. So, you know, learn something every day.
1: Another we just small thing but unusual for sailor, the photography on this side is just killer.
0: Yeah, this is very Ancora photography. Yes. This is not this is not Sailor Photography. Exactly. This is plus photography. Alright, um then let's move on to the main topic of the day, which I think is super, super interesting. Uh I went to Toma uh two weeks ago and I kind of teased on, on the show. Mm. And a lot of people have actually asked us about Toma, I'm like, hey, you know, what about this Toma brand? And I don't know if you saw on Instagram um we have uh, we have our friend Yuan who posted on um on her Instagram She's uh, Sarah B. and pals on on Instagram. So she posted a comparison of her largest pen, which is Toma, and her smallest pen. And the the Toma nib is actually as large as the entire smaller pen. I've just sent you now a uh, link to Instagram, which I think is hilarious. Ah, this is so good. Yeah, so... So I asked, I asked him. I said, "Hey, um, Toma." And in Toma, he he's kind of chatty on on Instagram, but he's he's kind of a reserved person, right? I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to him, but he's got like this white hair. He's like this old man. And if you go to Pen Cluster, he doesn't really talk. He he kind of acts like he doesn't want you to be there. So so initially, we're tr- um, I was with um, with uh, one of my new friends, uh, Kyle, and we were out there. I are saying, hey, Mr. Toma, blah blah blah, and he recognized me from from the podcast, and um, and you know we were talking. I said, hey, so why make these hilariously jumbo-sized pens? Why not just make regular-sized pens? Mm. So apparently, they started making these huge pens and huge nibs because Danitrio had approached Kubo to make these massive nibs. Right. So toma's origins actually come from you know working with denitrio and kubo on these nibs and he said you know as they started to make these nibs you know people just kept asking for these giant hilarious nibs so he feels like he can't even go back and make the regular Mm. pens anymore And he says he actually doesn't really care about the the Jumbo pens. He doesn't care for them so much. But that's just what his customers want. So very much like Ohashida.
1: Yeah, I actually wrote about that in my blog post about uh, Kubo and his apprentices. That I think for a while, there was it was never confirmed, but for a while it was said that Kubo made some of the nibs for um, the very largest Danichio pens. But that that they switched over from Kubo to Toma.
0: Yeah, and um, he told me that they had kind of gone into like a fight. So Danny True didn't want to work with Kubo anymore. And so Toma started making um, the nibs for them. Mm. I actually asked Toma, I said, but why use 18 karat gold? Because, you know, as we all know, gold prices are are, are going through the roof, right? Mm. So why use a higher percentage of gold, right. which is going to cost you so much more? I guess he passes that cost onto, onto the consumer. I'm sure and he, he said does. <laughs> He said, "Oh, you know, well, uh I know that a lot of people say 14k is better for making flex nibs, which is true. Um he said, "But actually, 18-karat gold is also very suitable for flex nibs if you get the alloy and and the and the consistency, right?" So and then and then I was like, "Yeah, but, you know, 14-karat, you know, it's it's kind of like a classic, right?" and he kind of disagreed with me there he's like well you know if it's a gold nib it's got to be 18 karat right so it's kind of like whimsical you know just like everything mm. that he does this 18 karat gold he's like you know it's just more luxurious so why mm. not <laughs> kind of kind of a deal there you know we we shared a picture of uh of the ginormous pen um last week which is also 18 karat gold so i think there's a sense within at least that older sphere of circles, and now also, obviously Kubo makes only 18 karat gold now, um, gold nibs now too. It's there's no particular reason for it. Well,
1: I know that I mean we talked about that maybe before, before, but some of these pen makers, these um, they are kind of they are they are successful businessmen that have done something completely different during their career, and they probably made a nice... Uh, bit of money and now they're like semi-retired and they have some money and they have some time. So they do things like this. I wonder if that is true with Toma as well.
0: Right. And, you know, I actually had an opportunity to, to talk to him and he was telling me about the process of welding iridium and how you need, um, you actually need more gold to weld the iridium. So the iridium has to, um, fit into this kind of ball like or this crater inside inside the 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 nib and he was saying for the music nibs that he showed off a couple a couple weeks ago that because the music nib is the way he does it is actually thinner in in the front it's very very difficult to weld tipping onto the music nib and therefore it's very hard for him to get those to write properly which i I just found was very very fascinating and very interesting um there aren't a lot of people who know and slash are willing to talk about this kind of stuff mm. and um you know once you get toma to start talking, he's actually very chatty,
1: but it's true that you don't have too many like indie pen makers that make their own custom music yes yeah. so that's pretty
0: rare right and um. And so I got to to test that out as well, which was very very cool. And then our conversation um, moved onto celluloids. I think it's very interesting. You're not very interested in celluloid, right?
1: Uh, I just don't have. I don't never had any celluloid pens. I'm not sure. It's never really been
0: something I've focused on. But maybe yeah. I would like it. So um, I, I asked. Well, we were t- just talking about celluloid in general. And um, and he showed us this omas, which used to be a royal blue pen, and uh, because it's suffering from celluloid rot, so now it's a royal purple pen with all the parts falling off, which is uh, just terrible. We were talking about you know um, how celluloid degrades, because I don't think he uses celluloid in any of his pens. It's almost always acetate or ebonite. And um, and he was saying that. You know, celluloid has all these these problems, they're kind of doomed to fail, um, with the exception of sheet celluloid. Because he says how, for example, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, Schaefer in the past, and also Pelican, when they used celluloid, what they did is they had the sheet and then they rolled them into tubes. And because the tubes are hollow in the middle, it's easier for the celluloid to off-gas... And therefore, um, it reduces the instability of the celluloid. So he he told me that he actually has, like, some Arco material as well. I said, well, why don't you just turn them into finials or something like mm. that? And, um, and he was saying, well, because they're in block form, he's not actually sure how stable these celluloids are, which I, I just thought was very interesting. So I asked him, you know, but Japanese like celluloid manufacturers, they exist, right? They, they, um, Kyoto Celluloid is one of them, for example. And we know that Platinum has a line of celluloid pens. Yeah. And he told me, he said, are those really celluloid pens? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. He says that most of the celluloid that is out on the market is actually acetate. Mm. And he told me that there's only one real um, manufacturer of celluloid in Japan. And he actually made an inquiry uh, to this manufacturer. And um, the reason why he's not using this is because of all the safety regulations, because celluloid is very, very flammable. Mm. So you have to buy um, at least 10 kilos of celluloid for them to do business with you. It comes in like this single block, and you have to have a bunch of permits to store that much celluloid and oh, he just like thinks that you know it it's too much of a hassle to to go and get those um get those per uh, permits because it is actually very very dangerous um because of the off-gassing and then you know one day you might just have a boom explosion so um so that's what he he told me and um and then we we started talking about ebonite and urushi and this I think you will be very interested by um, and i I made an offhand comment saying uh you know if you want to do Urushi, i guess it really does have to be on an ebonite pen right and he said no, he said the most stable material to do Urushi on is wood okay uh w- which is fair you know he he says that you know wood it's 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 not going to you know just randomly fall apart, and importantly it doesn't off gas and ebonite pens. If you, you know take off the cap and you smell the section, it has a very strong ebonite smell, right? That's the smell of the material off-gassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that Pilot had a lot of problems with their Urushi because when they uh, put the Urushi on, after a while, they would get these little bubbles. And that is the effect of the off-gassing reacting with the Urushi. Oh, that's very inter-
1: interesting. I mean, we, I mean, we have seen Urushi pens with bubbles. Uh,
0: yeah, on a lot of Nakayas. Yeah, uh, yeah. And specific colors too, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Not all the colors, but specific colors. Mm. Um, and he said that because of this, he doesn't believe that Ebonite is actually very good for Urushi. Which which is interesting because if you go back to the history of Urushi pens... Um, which we discussed previously, Laconite is the first Urushi-based pen material, right? You remember Laconite? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> all right, so, so Pilot, um, back in the days, they had, they had all these um, ebonite pens and, and they were discoloring in mm. the, in the, in the shopfronts, right? So they're like, okay, what can we do? What about Urushi? So they didn't actually just coat the pens with Urushi. From what I understand from the patents and from my research, They actually invented a new material, which is a fusion of um, ebonite and urushi. So they actually.
1: Ah, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. It comes back to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that was one of the reasons why um, they did that because uh, urushi and ebonite still were were reacting. And very, very interestingly, he said that black ebonite off gas is easier. Than colored ebonite. So if he says you have to do Urushi on ebonite, you should do it on colored ebonite instead. That's quite interesting. Yeah, um, I always
1: thought that like modern pens that are Urushi over ebonite are more for nostalgic reasons than anything else. And that back in the day, maybe ebonite was more accessible than the kind of resins that you use nowadays.
0: Yeah. And I think resins also off gas, but like differently. I'm not really sure of of the science behind it. And also, I don't know if all of this is true or not, right? This is mm. just Toma telling me. But but he's a very experienced guy. Um, he says that colored ebonite is less prone to off-gassing. So mm. so if he had to do it, he wants to do it on um, colored ebonite. Right. And on top of that, he told me that... You know how sometimes ebonite pens go brown? Yeah, I, my Ohashiro pen is turning brown. <laughs> yeah. He says it's better to do um, lacquer on the ebony while it's black and then when it's, it goes brown he's like ah you know should I like do it or not so again I don't know the veracity mm. of this I really want to um, hear Hiroko's um, kind of thoughts on this as well because obviously she's an urushi master mm. although I'm not sure she'll understand you know the, the, the nuances between you know ebony off-gassing it, and all of that so I'm very curious to to see if she has a take on this as well
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, all we know. I mean, the only thing she usually says is that anything is fine as long as it's not, as long as it's not brass or or metal, because then you need to do the whole jacket get technique, right, which right. she doesn't have the tools to do.
0: Right, and I don't think she wants to have the tools to do those either.
1: Th- there's that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, and so, you know, my my trip to Tomo was really, really, really quite interesting. Um, just because of the knowledge that he had. Mm. And it's funny, I asked him, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? He's like, ah, I don't really feel comfortable um, because you know he's not very confident in his English mm. um, language skills, which is interesting because he always posts in English on Instagram. Um, yeah, but, 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 but maybe that's
1: because of that. I mean, we talked before about how, how the customers in San Francisco are more generous than the ones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tips might have something to do with that. Yeah but he 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 turns out he knows all of the the folks abroad as well mm. um he knows like um tom i think weisrich in germany he knows like max rage he knows like all the folks mm. so um probably he's had many many decades of correspondence with them either on like fpn or some other form right so that's uh that's my toma visit report which i i thought was quite interesting um quite unique we don't often talk about toma as a brand because um, I think you've handled one. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've handled some, but uh, but it's not a pen brand that we own, so we don't really often talk about that too much. Um, but I'm very glad I had the opportunity to, to talk to Toma-san, and I'm very excited. And I actually would love to go again with you, so that you can ask him some um, your questions as well. Sure. Yeah, I'd love like to do that. I
1: actually talked to talked to Hiroka about that not long ago because she's good friends with Toma,
0: apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, you know, we'll make it a field trip out there. One day, one day. For sure, for sure. All right, and uh, and I think that's been the episode, Jacob. It's, it's one hour on the dot. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, so um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, stay tuned for uh, our episode in two weeks, and hopefully we'll have more great content by then and uh and that that's been the episode my name is cy and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on instagram and tiktok at tokyostationpens and on twitter at tokyostationmnh. and hey, my name
1: is jacob i'm food fan on instagram and on twitter i have a blog at thanks and bye-bye bye-bye